Welcome to VGK Today, presented by MGM Rewards, a daily podcast bringing you an inside look at the Vegas Golden Knights 2023 Stanley Cup playoff run. I'm Justin Russo with the Golden Knights on Thursday, May 11th, and last night the VGK fell in Game 4 of their second round series 4-1 to the Edmonton Oilers. The series now sits tied at 2, with Game 5 set for Friday from the Fortress. It's now a best of three with two of the potential final three at home for the Golden Knights, and we'll see if they can pull through and get a win against a tough Oilers team. And it was a tough night for the Golden Knights last night in their 4-1 defeat. Not a lot going their way. Another poor start for the VGK, allowing three goals in that opening period, and Edmonton ran away with the game from there. To recap all the action from Game 4, we have on today's show Dan Duva and Gary Lawless. Not what the Golden Knights had in mind for Game 4 in Edmonton. First road loss of the Stanley Cup playoffs. They were second only to the Boston Bruins during the regular season on the road. But Gary, it was somewhat similar to Game 2 of the series in that the Oilers got an early advantage built upon it, and really the Knights never were in this game. No, odd that Vegas would... Vegas needs to beef at 5-on-5 for a while to get to their game. They never got to it. And the, the they had a power play. Then Edmonton had two power plays all in the first 10 minutes of the first period. Threw Vegas off its rhythm. They never got to their game. I'm not sure. I'm not saying they would have got to their game, but they, this really prevented them from getting to it. And uh, yeah, Edmonton was better in all facets. Uh they did get a power play goal. They were better at 5-on-5. Five five. They were more physical. They were faster. Had more compete. Uh, it's 4-1, but this is as, as clean a win as there has been in this series. This is much like uh, Vegas's Game 3 victory and much like Edmonton's Game 2 victory. Yeah, in the first game of the series, Vegas won 6-4, to four, but... The Knights were in the lead the entire way. The final score makes it seem a little bit closer than it actually felt. But one commonality throughout four games, Gary, Oilers score the game's first goal all four times. Mm -hmm. The two Knights' victories, they have very quick responses, and they actually take leads to the first intermission in the two games where they do come back. Game three, of course, was Marcia so getting the two goals, and so they, uh, they scored the last five unanswered and it's interesting to see how in these four games really at no point have we seen the best of the golden knights and the best of the edmonton oilers at the same time one team has taken the reins and not relinquished them and the other team just has not been able to get those reins back um, basically that these games through four the outcome has almost been decided halfway through the first period. Yeah, I can imagine if, it, if the game was 2-2 heading into the third. And I think that... Or imagine we got went to overtime. Yeah, that, you know, and, and that's... You took the words out of my mouth. I think that the sort of hockey that we expected in this series was going to be more akin to what we would expect overtime playoff hockey to be for 60 minutes of regulation. And if it gets to overtime, it gets to overtime. But because of the way teams have taken early control we've not gotten to that is it possible we don't get to that in this series yeah quite possible because uh, you know i mean i think for vegas when they if they're gonna win a game they're you know they're gonna eliminate 
you know, to hold Edmonton to, to two or less probably for them uh, to, to, to have a, a real good formula for success. And Vegas scores four or five most nights. So, and on the other side of it, Edmonton scores four or five when they're, when they're winning. And uh, uh, it, it just Bruce Cassidy said today, I don't know if these two teams can have a game where both teams are playing their best. Like, it, it, it might just be that if Vegas is playing its best, it's going to win easy. And if Edmonton's playing its best, they're going to win easy. And nothing, uh, nothing in between. And now we're down to uh, a best of three here with, uh, with a game in Vegas, a game in Edmonton, and then potentially another game in Vegas. Yeah, you look at these offenses. They're number one and number two, and they've kind of gone back and forth. Yeah. Uh, in this series, number one and two throughout the Stanley Cup playoffs. Both teams are just a hair under four goals per game during these Stanley Cup playoffs. And, of course, in the regular season, the Oilers were just fantastic. Number one in offense, Vegas 14th. But Vegas has scored goals, uh, just not in the games they have lost here in the postseason against Winnipeg 5-1 to one, and then a couple of losses here against the Oilers by scores of 5-1 to one and 4-1. to one. In other words, when they lose... They just never get it going. Yeah. They haven't had a game that's been 5-4, to four, close, lose late. No, the games that they've lost, the three of them, have all been without them really generating the offense that they otherwise typically produce. As you look into game five, for the Knights, what might Bruce Cassidy consider if he's trying to turn things back around again? Because unlike the first round, Vegas loses, then they win four in a row. Here in this series, after their one, I'll call it a dud, they did bounce back and win. But now here again today, they are set back. Point out that the Oilers had not lost consecutive games in regulation since February 25th and 27th. That's the last, I shouldn't even say regulation. This is the last time that they lost two in a row. It was against Columbus on the road, 6-5, to five, home against Boston, 3-2. to two. February 25th and 27th, the last time. The Oilers lost two games in a row. So perhaps it was unlikely that the Knights were going to be able to replicate what they did in game three. So what are Bruce Cassidy's potential considerations for well, game five? The first thing he has to, they have to figure out is whether or not they're going to have Alex Petrangelo. Alex takes a pretty good whack at Leon Dreisaitl late in the game, and uh, the Department of, Department of Player Safety will definitely look at it. There's extenuating circumstances. Which, which are a factor, you know. Evander Kane cross-checked Alex in the face in game three, and then in game get tonight, slashed him, and then cross-checked him into the boards in dangerous fashion. Uh, neither of those instances are hockey plays, and what Alex did to Dreisaitl isn't a hockey place. So um, the, other, the other part of that as well is, Darnell Nurse picked up an instigating pen, instigator penalty in the final five minutes of the game. That is an automatic one-game suspension. That you know, Department of Player Safety looks at that as well. So, uh, the, at some point in time, there'll be some news from George Peros. One will be suspended. None will be suspended. Two will be suspended. We'll we'll find out going forward. So th that that'll be a factor. We talked about the start of the series. Temperature goes up as the series goes along, and it went up tonight. And um, probably go up some more in game five. It's just the teams that can keep their cool the best and play and play hard between the whistles and avoid some of that. Uh, 
And I don't mean at the end. I mean, we, we took a couple of retaliatory penalties during the game that we don't typically take. And as I said, it, you know, you get a few cross checks if they miss that. That upsets you, you gotta take a number sometimes. And that's where we did take a penalty early on a retaliatory play that those are the ones that you know they ended up scoring on, right? Um, we killed the first one. Um, after that, they, you know, they, they bury it. So that's where the discipline has to come in. And I think that's where we needed to be better early on knowing that you know, this was probably coming. Bruce has depth and you know, Teddy Bluger can skate. So, uh, you know, does he look at the lineup and say, you know what, I'm going to take Amadio out and I'm going to put Bluger. See, Bluger doesn't play on the wing. That's the one issue there. Uh, none, you're not taking any of the centers out. I guess what you could do is, you know, um, put Bluger at center on the fourth line with Carrier and Colasar and move Wah up on the wall with Smith and Carlson. That would be maybe, uh, would be. I think that'll be the, the one thing he'll be considering other than if he has to put Ben Hutton or Braden Pahal in for in for Alex Petrangelo. And I, my guess is it would be Ben. Um, yeah. I'd say on Nick Watt, he produces the lone goal for the Knights in this game four, first of the playoffs, and the first since he scored that incredible overtime goal in Montreal in the third round back in 2021 that line is the one that produces the goal today and it seems like nick now with three points in this series no points in the first round he's starting to look comfortable in the role carrier of course had not played uh, 24 games in a row he's back and so that goal ends up wa from carrier and shea theodore the only goal for the knights in game four it came just about six minutes into the third period when the game was more or less decided, ends up as a 4-1 to final. When it comes to special teams in this game, if I had told you that the special teams would work out and that Oilers would win 4-1, to you'd think that the Oilers did their damage on the power play. That wasn't the case today. Three of their four goals were at even strength. Only one, what ended up as the game-winning goal, Bouchard's, was on the power play. Meanwhile, for the Golden Knights, their power play was the big disappointment. They had plenty of opportunities. They could not convert. They had one early power play, as we mentioned, but then three, including two in a row, during the second period. They totaled 10 shots. Petrangelo hit a post, but it was the Knights coming up short on the power play. There was only one power play goal in this game. It was for the Oilers, but the Knights had the opportunities, and they could not capitalize. Our power play generated some good looks. I got to give Skinner credit and them for blocking some shots. And so the last play, which has been the product of our, is where we've struggled on the power play all year, is the last play to finish the play. We, we didn't, weren't able to do it tonight, but I thought we were in zone a lot. We uh, one, one draws to stay in the zone. Our entries were fairly clean. We just didn't finish. Uh, and we needed to tonight. We needed it. Uh, I thought our PK was better. They got an early one, obviously, that, you know, we'd, like to do a better job there, but all in all, um, our power play didn't allow us to get back in the game when we needed it. Timely goals, we've talked about that a lot, so that, that would be the disappointing part. Yeah, that's, you know, the, the Knights had a chance to get back in this game in the second period. It was it was 3 nothing going into the second, and they had a barrage, they had, you know, two power plays 
back-to-back, three power plays in the in the th- second period, I believe, if I'm not incorrect, came up empty, and then, you know, Edmonton goes down the ice, and uh, Marcia, so Eichel and Barbashev get stuck out there for a long time. Edmonton wears them down, and eventually, uh, you know, a, a nice pass from McDavid, but, you know, uh, Nugent Hopkins is right in front of the net when he gets the shot, and that's, you know, that's the ice that Bruce Cassidy does not want to give up. That's, you know, uh, you know, I think Aiden Hill, you, you, you know, if he, he could have come up with one more one more save for Vegas might have given them, uh, you know, even if that one, he comes up with that one, you know, after, it, you know, Vegas did score in the third to get it to 3-1. 3-1's a lot different than 4-1, and, uh, um, you know, teams come back from being down two goals all the time. So, uh, and, and you know, a stinker, like, you know, that's like that, uh, game two, was definitely a stinker. This one was. I, I do think circumstances conspired against the Golden Knights to a certain extent, and yeah, I then, think that's well said. And then they never got it going. So, uh, you know, I'll be interested to hear what Bruce has to say because uh, um, he's got a different pulse. He's right down there. I, you know, I know that at, at two nothing. You know, they got to immediate timeout, and he, he really did some coaching at that time, and then, bang, before you knew it, it was 3 nothing. And, and that goal, you know, that goal probably can be, you know, Stone almost scores, then gets cross-checked in the, in the head, and he's woozy. First, he lays on the ice. Play moves up the ice. He does not argue with the referees at that time. He starts going towards the bench, and then changes course and gets kind of stuck in the neutral zone for a while just and then you know an Ekholm is you know wide open on the flank where Stone is supposed to be and you know goes in and uh, and Hill gets a piece of it hits his shoulder but then still goes in you know a save there might have uh, you know well if, if Stone goes to the bench directly to the bench and a teammate comes on the ice then uh, Ekholm's not wide open in that spot, so uh, some you know listen, you make your own luck, and uh, and that was a a difficult uh, sequence for Vegas. Mark, what happened to you on the third goal? I got cross checked from behind. Did you hit your head on the post? No, I got cross checked from behind. Did you think it was a penalty? Of course I did. Did you say anything to the referee? I asked him why it wasn't a penalty. What did he say? Thought he pushed me. Refs have a hard job too, right? Um, you know, I got my stick slashed and broken in one power play. Um, as long as you have good dialogue with them, um, you know, they usually, uh, you know, make up for the for the bad calls. But um, I got a good relationship with with Chris or Chris and um, and Graham. Um, you know, obviously, I think it's a penalty, but um, I'm not gonna pout about it. Um, just got to keep playing. Yeah, you know, I'll be. I, I want to hear what Bruce has to say, um, and. Uh, and, and the team is now going back to, to Vegas. How do they respond to that? Uh, you know, this is why you play 82 games the way you do and, and make sure that you have a situation to be play game five and game, and, and game seven if necessary in your own building. So, uh, yeah, the, the, the intrigue starts, you know, this when people are listening to this in the morning, the intrigue will be, will be heavy because... You know, George Peros will be reaching out to people. I would have, either he'll just look at it and say no suspensions, 
or he'll want to talk to people. And if he wants to talk to people, then uh, uh, who knows what the result is. We've gone through some of the turning points from game four. We've asked the question, how often does the momentum of one game carry into the next? And to some degree, it has not. But if players are suspended, yeah. then there is clearly an impact on the next game in the series. The Knights have done so well, as have the Oilers, not losing consecutive games. And if it goes the distance and nobody loses consecutive games, it's pretty straightforward who wins yeah. the series. Yeah. Yeah. But the Oilers, in order to flip that script, will have to do to the Knights what Vegas did to Winnipeg, which is dominate on the road. Oilers were right there with the Golden Knights among the best road teams in the league, but the Knights lose on the road for the first time in these Stanley Cup playoffs. Now can the friendly confines of T-Mobile Arena vault them to the kind of start that they have been desperate for to get that first goal of the game. They were one of the best first period teams in the National Hockey League this year, and only two out of these four games have they been anywhere close. Could game five at home finally be the time with that crowd behind them, get them an early lead and put them in a position where maybe we finally at long last see these teams at their best in the same game. And maybe, as you said during our radio broadcast, Gary, if it's close, maybe we'll finally see it. Yeah, that's uh, as Bruce said this morning, I don't have a crystal ball. So uh, that's why that's why people tune in and. Uh, they can tune in to you and I, 7 o'clock on uh, well, the pregame show starts earlier and the Darren Millard, the insider show before that. So lots of hockey talk on Friday. I will share with our listeners one fun fact. Because not only do we enjoy the moment, we enjoy the history of the sport. Chatted with Bruce Cassidy earlier today before the game, shortly after he finished his post-game, uh, excuse me, shortly after he finished his pre-game press conference, and he was looking through the artifacts at the Hall of Fame room here at Rogers Place, where they conduct the press conferences. But it's also like a museum, and there's a wall of significant Edmonton Oilers game pucks through the years. And he was looking very specifically for certain years, and he did discover some games between the Oilers and the Blackhawks in the spring of 1985. And Bruce, remember, was a first-round first draft choice of the Chicago Blackhawks just before that. And while Bruce did not play in those games, he was an extra, so he recalled, when Yari Curry scored four goals in one game and three goals in the next game. Games five and six, Oilers knocked out the Blackhawks we talked about Leon Dreisaitl, who had four goals in one game this series and then two goals in the next. How many times has a player had hat tricks in consecutive playoff games? Only three times in NHL history. We mentioned that one of them was Yari Curry. And wouldn't you know that Bruce Cassidy was there on the opposing side for the Chicago Blackhawks. And in the words of the wonderful Paul Harvey, now you know the rest of the story. That's all from Edmonton, where the Knights lose game four, four to one. Well, a good recap of things by Dan and Gary on the Golden Knights game four loss. And for the VGK, this has been such an up and down series. Look at games one and three. They had such convincing wins. But on the flip side, as Dan and Gary were talking about, the Edmonton Oilers with convincing wins of their own in game two. And of course, 
in last night's Game 4. So this series seemingly all over the place, and as Dan alluded to, if it keeps going in this pattern, no problem for the Knights. They're going to end up winning the series in 7, but we know the Oilers are going to have a strong response in Game 5, looking to be that first team to win two games in a row in this series, and it is going to be an ultra-important Game 5 for the Vegas Golden Knights because when best-of-seven series are tied 2-2 in NHL history, teams that win Game 5 win nearly 80% of the time in the series. So for the Golden Knights, now's the time to get back to what you're doing, get back to your game, and put it all together for a Game 5 at home against the Edmonton Oilers. And if you want to be a part of Game 5 tomorrow against the Oilers, well, go to VegasGoldenKnights.com because we have single-game tickets available for Game 5 at the Fortress. It's going to be a big one. Golden Knights looking to reclaim the series lead against the Edmonton Oilers, tied 2-2, looking to take a 3-2 lead back to Edmonton for Game 6 on Sunday. So get your tickets to Game 5 against the Edmonton Oilers at VegasGoldenKnights.com. I'll also take a moment to remind you to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You don't miss a moment of the team's quest for the Stanley Cup right here on VGK Today. Tomorrow, Ashley Weiss joins the show as the Vegas Golden Knights prepare for Game 5 at the Fortress tomorrow. Justin Russo signing off for Episode 25 of VGK Today, presented by MGM Rewards.